When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's good, everyone? Welcome to KGW's 3-on-3 Three Three Blazers. My name is Orlando Sanchez, joined as always by Jared Cowley on my right, Nate Hansen on my left, and the one and only Max Barr on the ones and twos. Welcome back, y'all. It's been quite the week uh, for the Portland Trail Blazers. We've got a lot to talk to about the team and, and how they're playing right now, but we would be remiss not to start the podcast uh, with the tragic news of the, of the passing of, of Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gigi, and the seven others that were on that helicopter, and just the impact that Kobe Bryant has had on not just Portland, but and not just even the basketball community, but worldwide, and the way that this has transcended yeah. beyond just sports. And I'm curious to hear what your guys' thoughts have been about this week and how it's maybe impacted you. It, it hit me harder than like if you had put the hypothetical in front of me and just said, hey, you know, Kobe Bryant's going to die tomorrow. How do you think you would react? How I actually felt when I learned of the news and felt throughout that day uh, hit me a lot harder than I would have anticipated because not a Lakers fan. Obviously respected Kobe Bryant's game. He's an all-time great. But I didn't really feel I had that much of a personal connection to him but there's something, there's just something about him. And I don't know if it was just the competitive drive, if it was because he was a flawed human being, that there's something relatable to that for all of us. But it definitely hit me harder than I expected it would, which actually really caught me off guard and surprised me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was really sad about it all day Sunday and all day Monday. And it's still... It's, it's something that's hard to shake. And I don't, I think that it was just the sudden shock of Kobe Bryant. You know, he's, he's my age, for one thing. Yeah. Um, he has, you know, four kids. I have five. So there are some parallels that where I can draw between, obviously we have very different lives, but between him and myself. And I think that the thing that was most difficult is, you had so many false reports coming out after the, the initial news broke. But then to find out that it was a real report that, that Gigi had been on the helicopter with him and that she was 13, and I have a you know a daughter who's almost 13, it just really hit home. It was... Um, I kept in imagining in my mind like like his final moments and how probably all he wanted to do in that those moments was protect his daughter mm-hmm. and he couldn't you know he could be there for her and at least there's that but so it it hit really hard and then i've i've grappled with with more parts of it since because he has a complicated legacy and i've had a hard time trying to make sense of that and how I feel about that. And I'm not interested in getting into that on in this conversation, but it's just, it, yeah, it, it hit me much harder than I would have thought. And I was reading something today about Kobe passing and it, it made a lot of sense is that in the NBA, all of, you know, if you are a fan of the NBA, all of the iconic stars you know, are still alive. Yeah. You know, you have to really go back. They're, they're all still alive. I mean, even Magic. Bill Russell. Yeah, and Kobe was 41. And so you don't have anything really to, you know, compare this to as an NBA fan. Like when I was thinking about when was the last time I was 
this shook by by a celebrity death, I had to think back to, you know, Chris Farley or, you know, people not in the NBA, not in sports, you know, just just young, iconic figures who died unexpectedly. You just don't have anything to compare in the NBA. So it was, yeah, it's it's still something that that's just sticks with me much on a much deeper level than I would have thought. You nailed it in terms of the amount of people that reached out to have this conversation, the amount of people that it impacted, the way it transcended sports made this one so much more different than the other celebrity deaths that we had. It took me a long time to think back to other athletes or people that were gone too soon. And with this one in particular, the details, the, the horrific just scenario of being in that helicopter, your mind wonders and you put yourself in those shoes. And for people that do have kids, I, I can't even imagine to, to be in that situation. And I think that's what, why this, this one impacts and just hits so different because there are so many different layers to Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. And like we, my wife was looking at Vanessa Bryant's uh, Instagram feed and she's going through it. And obviously she had that beautiful note that she wrote thanking everyone for the prayers and thoughts. And there were just videos and moments that have people have shared over and over again that we can all relate to, even though Kobe Bryant was this iconic basketball player. And, um, you know, we, we can't relate to that. But what we can is moments with him and his daughters or him and his wife. And there was one in particular that my wife DM'd me uh, last night, and she was like, this is us. Like, I can't imagine what that would be like to, to not have you and to just know that this, it's all gone in an instance like that. And so I think that that part of it is what separates this from others that we've had. And feel how you want to about, about Kobe Bryant because there, there is a lot to discuss. But that's what I took away from it was this human side that everyone seemed to relate to yeah. and why it's been so hard to shake and how it went beyond Los Angeles, from, uh, beyond basketball. And beyond the U.S. Be, beyond yeah. the U.S. This was this was a larger-than-life uh, person, and I didn't realize at that time how much Kobe Bryant had impacted other people. Yeah. One thing that uh, I have found the most interesting in terms of, you know, in the retrospect we've had in the, what, 96 hours or whatever it's been since we learned of the news is everyone has these Kobe stories. And, like, maybe I had just my head in a hole, but I was unaware of this personable side of Kobe. All these stories, kind of when I started hearing them, kind of took me by surprise. Like, some of them made sense. Some of them were very basketball-centric, and that makes sense. That was his life for 20 years uh, in the NBA. But things beyond that, you know, like Ramona Shelburne talks about how he texted her while she was in labor having a child. Even Catherine Cook last night, one of our reporters here at KGW, told me a story about uh, someone uh, she knew who uh, there was like some link, a connection to Kobe, and they were able to work it out so he could meet this kid who was a huge fan. Kid was probably like ten years old, mm-hmm. and he said he gave him like fi- a solid five, ten, attentive minutes with this kid. And it seems like everyone has similar stories, and while it. These stories have come at a terrible price. It's been really cool to hear these stories about him. And I kind of wish I had heard him. Like I said, maybe my head was in a hole, but I kind of wish I had heard him when he was alive. It would have put him in a a little bit of a different perspective for me. Well, guys, it's no easy way to transition, but we do have. We do. I mean, the Blazers will be there on Friday. That yeah. will be you're going to be there, Orlando, yeah. on Friday at the Staples Center covering it because the Blazers are going to are the first game, and that's going to be. It's it's really interesting and strange and weird how things like this work. Yeah, 
how much of a role Kobe Bryant has played ag against the, the Portland yeah. Trailblazers <laughs> yeah. in particular, and all of those memories and, and battles, uh, whether it was here or there, there are certain games and, and uh, highlights that people can recall instantly when you think back to Kobe Bryant versus the Portland Trailblazers. I mean, arguably the most famous Shaq Kobe play yeah, yep. man. came against the Trailblazers in that Western Conference Finals. Most yeah. difficult, you know, uh, sports moment of my life as a yeah. fan. Yeah. As someone who had no connection to the Pacific Northwest, I can picture that moment vividly. Yeah. yeah. I remember watching that game, and I had, you know, no connection to either team. It was just that was the game. And I remember just feeling so bad yeah, for <laughs> the Portland Trailblazers. Like, I couldn't believe that they weren't advancing. Well, that game was like the NBA Finals, essentially, because yeah. everyone was pretty confident whatever team advanced from that series was going to beat, yeah. beat the Pacers in the NBA Finals. And Lakers took care of them real quickly in, what, five games, four or five games. And so the same probably would have happened for the Blazers if they could have just held on mm -hmm. in that fourth quarter. But Kobe was a big reason on why that didn't happen for Portland. And Portland doesn't have a second championship. Yes. It took me 10 years before I could go back and rewatch that game. Is that right? And it was because Ooh. of that one play. Like, I, I, I was curious. You know, after a few years had passed, I wanted to go back and kind of watch and, and, and see how did that happen? How did it all fall apart? But I knew that play was coming, and I knew that, like, I just couldn't watch it. And I finally in, ended up watching it again, and it was, it was interesting going back and watching it without, you know, the immediacy of, of that pain as a fan. But, yeah, that – that's, you know, one of the, the you know, most, uh, I don't know, ingrained in my conscious memories that I have as a sports fan, and, and Kobe Bryant's right in the middle of it. It was a, an iconic moment yeah. in NBA history, mm -hmm. no doubt. And, like, I've been trying to mentally prepare myself for what's going to happen on Friday. Right. I know there's no real way to do that. But I just, I just know what I'm walking into. Mm -hmm. And just seeing the images at the Staples Center now and what they were a couple of days ago even, yeah. I mean, there are so many people there. Uh, the memorials and, and tributes that are at the arena alone, much less around the city and even around the world, um, it's, it's been incredible. And so part of me is like, man, I'm going to be there for a very historic moment yeah. uh, in history. But the other side of me is like, I know it's not going to be easy to talk about this and to ask other people to talk about that. And going into the Blazers locker room is going to be tough. Yeah. I can only imagine what it's going to be like to go into that Lakers locker room as well. Even going back to this past Sunday when we found out about the news and I had to go down there into the Blazers locker room. Uh... Trevor Ariza was visibly sh shaken and had his glasses on in the locker room trying to gather himself, and he obviously wasn't going to talk to anyone about that. And I, seeing him, I, I just, so many times we go in there and we're thinking about, okay, here's the questions we have to ask. My story is at this time. We've got to get these things done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that night in that locker room was one of those times where they come through as human beings again, and you're reminded that, like, we're all people. And I have the utmost respect for Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. Who was willing to talk to the media after that game and spent three, four minutes opening his heart up to people that he really doesn't know about a very sensitive topic that he was still trying to process. And so the one thing I will, I, I will not forget that about Carmelo Anthony and just being a pro. And this falls in with the very few times when I can, I can remember a player just there and vulnerable where you stopped and you thought, okay, like, this is, we're, t we're talking as humans now. And, like, even going back to, there's another moment with the covering the Oregon Ducks where Jordan Bell uh, in the Final Four 
was yeah. just distraught. It was probably the worst thing I had ever Because they didn't get seen. those rebounds in yeah. the semifinal. And it reminded me of that moment again with Melo. So all that to say is, is that I know it's going to be like that again. And even to, uh, Trevor Ariza, he talked to us uh, after the Rockets game, but nothing was about Kobe or even the game that is coming up. So I just know that for the players that have been around him or knew Kobe on that level, man, my heart goes out to them because that yes. is going to be an experience that you cannot be prepared for no. inside the Staples Center on Friday night. And Mello, I, I mean, Mello said that Kobe had told him he was planning to be at the yeah. game yeah. on Friday. And yeah. he's carrying that with him as well. That's It's going to be – there's nothing in life that can train you for what – those guys are going to go through, in, including people covering the game, fans at the game, everyone involved. There's nothing that can prepare you for what, whatever happens on Friday night. And as you mentioned, the, the cool thing is that connectiveness. Yeah. And just people trying to figure out a way in their own way to grieve. And the Staples Center being the epicenter of that for that day, for that time, for Kobe fans, for Lakers fans, for people that uh, just care, all want to be there and be f- there for each other together at a time like this. It's it's going to be uh, a, a historic moment. Yeah, they're not just grieving. They're going to be trying to celebrate him at exactly. the same time. And so it's going to be all emotions are going to be on hand, and it's going to be quite a scene to see on Friday night. Well, guys, uh, there's still basketball to be played, as we mentioned. And the Blazers have had, have had a week on their own, yeah. like just Blazers-wise. Yeah, this has been quite the week. Shout out to our Jared Cowley <laughs> wow, I can't. Yeah, now, Jared, you picked last week. We gave you hell for picking the Blazers <laughs> to go two and yeah. one uh, against that stretch of schedule. Those three teams, the Mavericks, Pacers and Rockets. And you nailed it. <laughs> Jared Cowley, the only person in Portland who saw the Blazers beating both Indiana and Houston and had the wherewithal to not also say they're going to beat Dallas. <laughs> Uh, the Blazers, they had a little bit of luck on their side. Um, they didn't have a full-strength Indiana team that they had to face off against. And, I mean, one of the reasons why I picked the Blazers to win those two games is because both of those teams, the Pacers and the Rockets, were at the end of really long road trips. And those games are always difficult to win. And the Blazers are playing better basketball right now. And they've been playing pretty good basketball at home. So... I knew I was going out on a shaky limb, but I thought it was worth, you know, putting a little belief in this team because they had been playing a little bit better. We'll see if that continues. And I think that's the perfect segue into our first of three questions. You guys know the drill. You can catch these answers on KGW.com. Question number one is the Blazers, they beat the Rockets again. Yeah. They won five of eight. Take that, Russ. And Dame <laughs> got his first career triple-double. Against Russ. Against Russ, who he says it didn't matter. It didn't matter. It's, it's all <laughs> respect. It's all respect. All respect. And Dame is playing at the top of his game. Is this the start of another second-half surge for Portland? Should Blazers fans believe again? I want to start this one off because I have a feeling Jared's going to pick us back up after, <laughs> after I talk. I don't want Jared to talk and then for us to go back down because of what me and Orlando have to say. So I'm going to go first with this one. Uh, we had a similar question two weeks ago when the Blazers beat the Rockets, and the answer for me was an easy no. This isn't the start of anything. I think the answer for all three of us that, that time was no. You nope. said you said it was up to the Blazers, so oh, you okay. gave him some leeway <laughs> put on it that on one. Them, yeah, <laughs> you gave him some leeway on that one. I just said no, and I, two weeks later, I'm still gonna say no. <laughs> I'm not as definitive, like I'm not as certain as I was two weeks ago, but I'm still gonna say no. But why am I not as definitive this time? Well, they have another quality win. Indiana wasn't at full strength, but they're still a very good team, and Portland has had trouble beating good teams at all. And so that was another good win for them. Trevor Ariza, at least in the couple games he's played for the Blazers so far, has been a huge upgrade from what they were getting from Kent Bazemore. And Damian Lillard's play has just been out of this world Mm -hmm. over the last two weeks. But still, despite all these good things happening, the Blazers are 3-3 since beating Houston two weeks ago. 
Granted, it was against the schedule. They could have been 1-5. Mm-hmm. They could have even gone 0-6, given how close that Warriors game was. Lillard has averaged nearly 44 points a game during that stretch of six games and shot 50% from three. And the Blazers have needed that type of production in order to get to three and three over these six games. So for me, like, as great as Damian Lillard is, there is no way he continues this for the rest of the season playing at this high of a level. There's just no way it happens. And so if his production dips, even just back to regular all-star level, (laughs) not like superhuman, which is what he has been the last two weeks, just a normal all-star scoring 30 points a game, six, seven assists like we're used to seeing, you know, 40% from three. Uh, If those numbers just drop to there, I'm not sure if the Blazers can keep winning games even – Again, even the ones that they've won already during this six-game stretch, if his production level takes any sort of a hit for them. And not only do they need to win games, they sh- they've just been kind of hanging with the Memphis Grizzlies. But they need to start making up ground at some point. Granted, it's only three games right now, but Memphis is 11-3 and in their last 14 games. And I'm not saying they're going to continue winning on that pace, but I think it's okay to think that the Grizzlies could have a winning record the rest of the year. And if that's the case, Portland is what six games under five hundred right now. That that's a lot of ground. You got to start making it up at some point. And I don't, I don't see they've got they, some tough games. Ahead they do, too. and I don't see Lillard continuing this type of production and the Blazers being able to make up that type of ground if his production isn't at this insane level. And so I'm going to say no, that this isn't the start of a second half surge again, even though there are a few more reasons if you wanted to go that route this time that you can believe again. Nate, I will, I will piggyback off that because I'm, I'm cautiously. Yeah, there's like, a little I'm, there. I'm starting to lean. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like I've seen some examples now of the Blazers <laughs> playing well together this, uh, you know, addition of Trevor Ariza and what could possibly be. And obviously the way that Damian Lillard has played has been inspiring. And he's making he's going to make everybody better just by default. And probably more importantly, make them believe that they can win some games yeah. against good teams. And so, like, I'm starting to lean. I'm You're starting to wiggle a little I'm, bit, I'm, huh? I'm, it's starting to get a little wobbly for sure. Yeah. So that's that's the one thing that I will add to this. But man, it's been a lot of fun to watch Dan yeah, right now. Who it is? Who is unconscious? Who is shooting from half court now? That's an, and yeah. has oh my extended gosh. his range. How good were those two threes Ooh. last night? Oh Amazing. man, he and said he would shoot from beyond half court if, if, if Terry wanted, like make Terry Stotts <laughs> mad. <Yeah. laughs> I, he said he was he was tempted, man. <laughs> so like, don't be surprised if he if he fires pulls up. up. You know, maybe it's late in the shot clock or <laughs> yeah. something. He finds an excuse. Or it, 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 there's it. like five seconds left in the quarter, and he's like, "Oh, I thought there was only one second left, Terry," and yeah. just throws one up. Yeah. And the the one step that that I think is most important for me as somebody who's watching them is it's gone from Jared. You you've pointed this out over and over is just how boring they have been. Mm. Oh, yeah. And now yeah. these games are entertaining again. Yeah. Even they're, the, they're fun. Even the Dallas game, they lost and were behind, you know, by good margin, double digits for most of it. But that was – we were texting that night. That was a legit entertaining game yeah. to watch because it was a fun game to watch, and they were competing against them even though they were still trailing by 10. They just didn't have the horses to beat them that night, but they were competing hard, and it was a fun game to watch. So it feels like they're headed in that upwards trajectory that you want to see – uh, from a team that could potentially make a run, from a team that has a habit of playing better after the All-Star break. And I couldn't help but think, like, well, Yusuf Nurkic <laughs> is getting yeah. getting closer. Like, that could be that second surge that they need to continue this type of play. But I'm with you, Nate. I'm not ready to believe and go all in on this team yet. I've got to see it for a little bit longer for me to believe what has happened over the last week or so. But if this team ends up going on a run like that, I'm not saying that he deserves to win it, but Damian Lillard needs to be in the MVP conversation. Okay, Jared, pick up our spirits. Bring it here. Do you guys remember New Year's Day and that the Knicks game? Embarrassing oh, loss yeah. against the Knicks. Yeah, that, that hangover they yeah, had from New Year's Eve. That was the hangover, wasn't yeah. it? So after that game, I looked ahead at their schedule, and their schedule in both January and February is brutal. Yes. Um, and I looked at look, just going up to the trade deadline, and I saw maybe at most three wins between 
you know, January 1st and, and the trade deadline. And at that point, I was like, the Blazers are going to be 15 games under 500 when the, the trade deadline gets here. Who knows what that, you know, is going to mean. The, the, the season will be over by then. And since, they've, they've surprised me um, in every way. The past 13 games, since that, that next game, they're 7-6. and six. In those 13 games, their offense ranks 4th in the NBA. Okay, their defense is still terrible. It's like 28th in the NBA during uh, these past 13 games. But their offense has been good enough to carry them to wins. And they're, like you said, they're beating good teams for a change, which they were not doing earlier in the season. It's, it's not just been the past few games with Lillard. In the past 13 games, he's averaging 35 points and shooting 50% from the field and 46% from three. <laughs> he's been the best player in the NBA yeah. for yeah. the past month. Um, the Blazers have been getting contributions from – Hassan Whiteside. Yeah. You know, he is what he is and he he is good at he has a particular set of skills. <laughs> okay. We're almost very getting good. we're Jared. almost getting a compliment <laughs> yeah. out of Jared almost. on Hassan Whiteside. It's a very particular set of skills. <laughs> yeah. I should do a double take here. He's what? good at grabbing rebounds and he's good at blocking <laughs> shots and he's been doing those things. You gotta gotta watch it here now. Uh they're getting efficient scoring from CJ McCollum. He's his scoring's actually down. It's about 19 points, but he's shooting 46% from the field and 41% from three. That's what they need from him. It's only been three games, but Trevor Ariza looks like he's exactly what the Blazers needed. They finally have a real small forward. And also, something I noticed in the past 10 games or so is Portland's finally getting a little consistency from its bench, or at least two members of its mm -hmm. bench. Over the past 10 games, Gary Trent Jr. is averaging 10 points and he's shooting 42 percent from three but his net rating is plus 7.2 it's like fourth on the team and Nasir Little his stats are are fine they don't jump off the page but his net rating has been plus 6.2 in the past 10 games both of them are making positive contributions to the Blazers when they're on the court and seriously there are very few reserves on this team you've been able to say that about this season mm -hmm. so that makes a big difference so they're not getting killed every time they have to go to mm -hmm even just part of their bench. Now, am I a believer? It depends on, on a believer in what? Yeah. I mean, before the season, we were like, yeah, the Blazers are championship contenders. Yeah. And they're not, and not even close. I don't think that's what this question's asking. But do I think they can make the playoffs? I think that's what this question is I do, okay. because they're still only three games back. I think <clears throat> that they have just as good a chance of making up that ground and, make, and getting that eighth, eighth spot as the Grizzlies have of holding on to it or as the Spurs have of, of, of grabbing it. It's not – I don't think they're going to take off quite yet because their schedule remains just brutal. Their next 12 games, they play eight winning teams and three of the other four are against the Spurs and two against the Pelicans. All three of those games are going to be hard. Mm. But I think that what we've seen from the Blazers the past 13 games, a 7-6 and six kind of record – I think in the next 12 games, if they can you know, play around 500 ball – Oh, you'll take that, man. Their last that. 22 games, they only play seven winning teams in their last 22 games. So I think they are poised to have a really big run to end the season. They're going to have Nurkic back. They'll be getting Zach Collins back. Who knows what moves they might make at the deadline. So, yeah, I'm a believer. I think the Blazers, I'm not going to predict they're going to make the playoffs, but I certainly believe they can. It's there. Yeah. It, 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 and why possible. do we doubt Damian Lillard? Yeah, 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 that's a good I, point. Yeah, I have no rebuttal every, for that. Every single yeah. year. Yeah. No, when, not every single when, year. When they're last in a position year, like this. Yeah, but last year they were they were good all year long. Yes. They have been there have been many years where this has happened. This exact same thing where they're 6, 7, 8, 11 games under 500 and we've written them off and Dame brings them back. But half the roster wasn't hurt those other years like this year. They're too. getting healthy. They are getting healthier. To your point about going 500 over these next 12 games. If they did that, they would be 27 and 33. And then say you said 15 of their last 22 are against teams with losing records. Say they go 15 and 7 in those last 22. Just say they beat the 15 that have losing records, lose to the 7 that have winning records, they would be 42 and 40. Yeah. Which would put them, mm -hmm. I think, right in the conversation with a Memphis or even a San Antonio if they can turn things around. So that that's pretty sound reasoning right there, Jared, to be a believer. I, I'm not saying you've swayed me. No. But uh, the math there holds out yeah. a little bit. I, I, I want to join Jared. I do, too. I do. 
I've just been hurt in the past. Yeah. Via predictions. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's tough. But if they if they do get to forty two and forty, oh, yeah. that may be good enough this year to get the eight seed. The next twelve games are gonna be tough. But we also don't know. I mean, Nurk could be back like next week. Mm-hmm. He could, but I mean what if he were hypothetically back next week? Fifteen minutes? Yeah, he'll I mean, start not, out yeah. fifteen minutes. He's not playing but twenty five. I think he to could 30. rack up I think he could ramp up to twenty five or thirty within a couple weeks. Yeah. We'll see, man. This, Jerry's just made this whole thing juicier for us. I can't wait to hear his picks later yeah. on. <laughs> it's gonna pod. be it's gonna be a lot in, a lot more interesting once they get through this, you know, tough schedule. These yeah. next twelve games are gonna be hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's this is just there are very few teams that have a, a schedule this difficult for two months in a row. I, I'm still kind of shocked we're even actually having this conversation <laughs> at this know, point with I them know, compared man. to where we were. So you're two saying weeks there's ago. a chance, yeah. Max, are you a believer yet? I think Jared put it best when he said believer in what. I, I don't think anyone doubts Damian Lillard, but it's the defense that people yeah. are doubting. Like, mm-hmm. can they put a bunch of the possessions together when they need them to stop some teams? I'm not a believer in that yet. But, you know, if Damian Lillard keeps scoring 40-plus, <laughs> I'm not saying 50-plus, <laughs> let's knock it down to 40, then sure, they yeah. can compete for that eighth spot. You can score 140 against the Pacers every night. Then yeah, you could beat a lot of teams dropping 140. How much of an impact do you think Trevor Ariza will have on the defense? Not much until Yusuf Nurkic returns. I think I think Nurkic is the linchpin for their defense. Oh, I think, for sure. I think he's the biggest factor. So I, even though Ariza is bigger and is filling the position, like playing his true position, unlike Kent Bazemore. Like, he may help a little bit, but I don't see it being significant for Portland. The and starting lineup's defensive rating with Ariza, it's just three games, but it's 105.6. And they, I mean, even when we had Blazers starting lineups earlier this season that were playing well and performing well, it was because their offense was so good that it was making up for a defensive rating that was 112, 113. And so I'm not saying that he's making that big of an impact, but just having, he, he, he doesn't look 34 out there. He looks, I mean, he's one, he's a legitimate small forward with the size to be able to guard other threes and fours, switch on to twos, switch on to ones. The Blazers haven't had a player like that all season long. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of of Melo in a lot of ways, too, in where we said, man, this turned out to be a really good fit. Yeah. And I know it's three games and we're probably overreacting a lot, but... He fits what the Blazers were missing. I mean, I think he's put two games. I think he's put together two games that have been better than whatever Basemore's best game for Portland was, and yeah. he's done it in three opportunities to do it. He's just he's been a good fit, and I, I'm kind of hoping I'm wrong about how I felt about him in terms of the type of impact he would have made on this team. I hope that when we look back on it, that's the moment we said, "Oh." That was a missing link to this whole thing. Obviously, we know what Nurkic means. Yeah. But for a guy like him, maybe that that just fills that hole, and they're able to move forward and win a lot of games down the stretch. So, question number two. As we mentioned, you can catch these on KGW.com. Carmelo Anthony told the Portland Tribune's Kerry Eggers he wants to retire in Portland. What? The Rose (laughs) City. Look at that, baby. Buy or sell. Anthony returns to the Blazers next season. To finish his career in Portland. Take the lead on this one, Jared. I'm going to sell it. All right. So I don't want that to be. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah, Nate's really excited about that. He's on the same boat now. (laughs) I don't want that to be anything against Carmelo Anthony. I Man, I've really loved watching him play. Um, I know exactly what Carmelo is. I mean, he's inefficient. He's not an impactful defender. He'll jab step to oblivion. But. He's really fun to watch play basketball, and I, I didn't, I guess I didn't recognize that before he came to Portland. Um, so I've loved having him on the Blazers. I've loved being able to watch him play. I think he's been great in the locker room. He's he's great with the media, which you know may, might not matter to all of you out there, but but it matters to to us, and I think it does matter to fans because. You know, that's a way that you embrace Portland, too, because when you're speaking to the media, you're speaking to the fans. Um, on s- in, on some levels, the idea of Melo returning to Portland next season is really appealing. Yeah. If he was genuinely willing 
to accept a high usage, you know, high scoring role off the bench as a as a backup power forward, I think he could be a really good fit for what the Blazers might need next season. If he was willing to come back at a price that the Blazers can afford that fits into their financial considerations, I think he'd be a great fit, but I just don't think that's the reality. The reason it's worked out so well with Melo this season is because the Blazers had exactly what he needed. He needed an available starting position that was guaranteed, basically. There was yeah. you know, no doubt that he was going to be the starter, and he needed to be a, a, a featured member of the offense who was going to get as many minutes as he could handle and not get as many shots as he wanted, but he was going to have a coach who wouldn't also try to change him into a player he's not. And he's had all of those things in Portland this season, so it's been a really good fit, and it's worked out really well. I just don't know if that fit is there next season when you have Zach Collins back and you have a healthy roster and that starting role isn't there anymore and those minutes aren't there anymore and that, that same role on offense might not be there anymore. And so I think that because of that, I think that there may be other offers in free agency that are going to fit what he wants more than what Portland can offer. And so if that's the case, then it'll have been a great season with Melo in Portland, but I just don't, I don't see him coming back next season. The fact that we're even to this point is pretty remarkable because when oh, they, yeah. when they signed him in November, you know, what was it? A two month thing yeah. initially. And we all thought at the end of those two months, this is not going to end well for him or the Blazers. You know, someone is going to, break up this relationship by the end of two months here. And th- real quickly, they made that contract fully guaranteed for the rest of the season. And now we got talk that he want, he potentially wants to stay. Mm-hmm. Like, just getting to this point is pretty remarkable. But I'm 100% on the same page with Jared. A, I think there, he's going to have more options available to him this offseason because I think his reputation has been stabilized a bit and rebuilt. So I think there are teams who will have more interest in him this offseason than prior just because his reputation was so damning at the time and things went so poorly in Houston and ended so badly in OKC that no one wanted to touch him. So I think he'll have offers out there. And in the past, and I'm not blaming him for this, he's taken the money when he's had that option available to him. When it's been winning or money, his whole career he's chosen money. And so I'm not blaming him. Go and get yours. So I don't think the Blazers will be able to offer him the most this offseason. I think a team will come in and for a one-year deal will throw $10-15 million at him potentially, especially if you're a bad team like the Atlanta Hawks. Like this offseason, there's a bunch of bad teams who have cap space. So if you're the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Atlanta Hawks, any of these teams, uh, the Hornets, I believe, will have some cap space. If you're any of those teams and you're just trying to put butts in the seat, mm-hmm. bring on Carmelo Anthony for $15 million for the yep. year. And so it also matters as to what his what he wants yes. for next season. Yes. If he's changed and he really wants to be on a winning team, he can't expect the type of role he's gotten in Portland this year. And so if he wraps his head around that and is genuinely willing to be a scorer off the bench and he's genuinely and he's willing to take less money, then I think Portland would be a great fit for him next yeah, year. I think I he would be a fantastic fit for the Blazers to come off the bench and be like a bigger Lou Williams type for them and just give them some instant scoring off the bench when players need a blow. But I don't – in in Kerry Eggers' article, he talked about how in Houston, how it was really tough for him to go to the bench. And I just wonder – he's accepted being the third player, which is what he didn't really want to accept at Oklahoma City – I I wonder if he's actually really willing to be a bench player at this point in his career where, you know, he'll have fewer minutes and fewer opportunities potentially to score. So I'm on the same page. I'm going to sell that he's back next year. Yeah, this hypothetical seems so much more about Mello than it does the Blazers. Yeah. Yeah. Where is he mentally? How much is he willing to accept? Because we know that the Blazers aren't going to be able to offer him much. Yeah. So it has to come down to what are his priorities. How much did he really enjoy his time in Portland? Yeah, and what point are you in your career? Like maybe yeah. at this point he just wants to be at a place where he's having fun playing totally. and he's comfortable in the system and he knows he has respect from his teammates and coaches. And maybe if that's the case, then Portland has a better shot than what we're saying. But Totally. And when I hear when – I, when I read the quotes from Kerry Eggers in there and the experiences I've had with Melo um, this season already, this was something he didn't have to say. 
Yeah. He didn't have yep. to. Say, he could have said something like, you know, it would be an honor to play with the Blazers. I appreciate what they've done for me, but that's so far away. I don't know what the future holds for me. Yeah. Instead, I mean, he went all in on that. with, And I think that's what made this – it was so bold of a, of a statement to make at this point in his career because we've seen the, the history and the track record and, and what he wants to be and what he believed at that time. And so at least – at that point, it was the right thing to say, and it was a really cool thing to say for P- Portland Trailblazers fans. Yes. And so whether or not he's here next year, I would say odds are he's not. Yeah. So I, that's how I would base my answer to this is probably not. But to your guys' point, like, it makes sense for, for the Blazers. Like, bring him back if he's still got some juice and wants to keep playing and, and you know what, his family starts to come out to Portland more and they like it here a little bit more. I think that would be pretty dope. Uh, to to have him, but um, he's a pretty genuine guy, and I, if he's saying that, I think that that he he believes in that. So at this point, it it would be a great thing to have him back another year. But like you said, if other teams come calling and they want to offer this dude a lot more money, then so be it because people can can do that. So it's going to be an interesting topic to continue to talk about because Melo's been one of the best stories for the Blazers this season so far. And he's brought some energy in, into a, a franchise that at that point just felt like irrelevant and yeah. were boring and no one really cared about him. So um, it's really up to him and it's going to be fun to, to follow that. So at this point, guys, season predictions. Let's get to it. The you, third you question. Yeah, let's do it. You want the standings? Is that what yeah. you're saying? You yep. you want to hear your name on top? Yep. You want to uh, hear the praise? I would like to hear that more so because of, of Jared's epic week. Yeah, well, despite Jared's perfect week, he's still behind you, buddy. <laughs> uh, Orlando leading the way, 31-14 and 14 on the pick so far. Jared, though, you're bark. No. I'm sorry. This is wrong. What? Yeah, this is my bad. I just what? Uh, I replaced the records, but I didn't switch around the names. Oh no! Orlando actually, lost the lead. Whoa! Oh, he did you dirty, son. I, actually d- I did take the lead this week. Oh <laughs> no! So I take that back then, yep, Jared. Yep, sorry about that. Yep. Wow, dude, that is rude to do Orlando like that. Wow. I, he thought I just the wanted to be able to interrupt here like that. Yeah. It, it was such a good week, though, man. Like, you deserve to take yeah. the lead. Well, apparently, like Jared, that. after a perfect week, is <laughs> 31 and 14. That makes yeah. more sense. I saw your face when I said that. Your face was kind of like, what is he talking about? <laughs> I'm just like, I'm reading the paper, man. Uh, and Orlando, I guess you're a game back now, yeah, buddy. Man. So you suck at this, too. You're yep. 30 and 15. Yep. Shame. Shame uh, all around. I'm, I'm too. I'm too. Three games behind Jared at 28 and 17. My bold 0 and 3 pick did not work out last week at all. So if you're new to the podcast, our question number three is always a prediction for the upcoming week. Yeah. So we'll get through this pretty quickly here. The Blazers play three games before our next podcast and before the trade deadline. They're on the road Friday at the Lakers, then back home Saturday against the Jazz, and then they travel to Denver to play the Nuggets on Tuesday. Which games do the Blazers win, and which games do the Blazers lose? Nate. I'm going to make mine short and sweet. I'm a slow learner, my friends. They're going 0-3 for real this week. The Lakers, I, if they won that game, I'd be truly surprised. The Jazz, I'm going to take because it's the second of a back-to-back for the Blazers having to come back to Portland, and Denver's one of the toughest places to play in the NBA. So 0-3 week for the Blazers, but this time it's actually happening. Just like Nate, I'm a slow learner as well. Yeah. And so 0-3 is my prediction for those same reasons. Uh, I can't imagine them winning that game against the Lakers on the road. Second of a back-to-back is just tough, and, yeah, we all know what happens. Unless CJ decides to go off in Denver, Yeah. Uh, I don't like uh, the Blazers' chances. Uh, I'll give the Blazers uh, one win. Ooh. Oh, he's not going two, though, this okay, time. Okay. Not going two and one? No, just one and two. Just I, one and two. The Lakers should and will win on Friday. I think that it's too tough to beat Denver on the road. The 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 Utah game I'm going to give to Portland. It, it was a tough call because it is the second game of a back to back. But for Utah, it's the the last game of another long road trip, um, which we know made a difference last week. Utah's lost two in a row. I do wonder if Portland's going to have a little bit of an emotional letdown, a little bit of, of an emotional hangover in that game, but I'm still going to put some trust in, in the Blazers and give them that win against the Jazz. Man, that is a tough three-game stretch right there. The number one seed, the number, what, three and four seeds in the West? Man, that's rough. You guys ready to rip it? Let's go.
It is great to be back with another week of Rip It. Last week, Nate won again. Oh, oh reigning Rip It champions, Thanks my friend. Thanks to Jordan Poole shooting oh. a layup after the buzzer Ooh. and Kent Bazemore being traded. No. Adios, Kent. That's how slim the line is between victory and defeat in this game. Do you know what's not slim? Your win total? The Rip It records this year. <laughs> Four wins for me, four gentlemen, and one for each of you. That is a gap. Let's find out if last <laughs> week's game was just as crazy. We're going back to that Mavericks loss. Question for this game was who will make the most three-pointers, Tim Hardaway Jr., Kristaps Porzingis, or Seth oh, no. Curry? Yeah. Jared and Orlando, you guys went with Tim Hardaway Jr. Nate, you went with Seth. I did. Hardaway was three for six That's from beyond bad. the arc. Porzingis, three for four. Oh. <laughs> Seth Curry, four for seven. Oh, no. yeah. Come on. There we go. That's Jeez. one on the board already. Here we go. I like the start oh, of this. Let's I, keep I going. It's Former more, Blazer more of the us. same. Oh. Jeez. I thought it was going to be Porzingis because he had a couple. Mm -hmm. Man, yeah. Moving on, Blazers versus Pacers. First question here. Who will have more assists, Damian Lillard or Malcolm Brogdon, who did not play in the game as he was in the concussion protocol? Nate, you unfortunately picked Brogdon. Oh, no way. I go. went against Lillard? There you go. You oh. never learned, man. man how you did never learn. Whatever. I picked Lillard against Doncic, <laughs> and he lost the week prior. Darn it. Jared and Orlando went with Dame. Yep. Oh, had that's 13 funny. assists. Dang never it. Got you're Dame. back on track. You're that's telling right. me he didn't have that's zero right. assists and we couldn't get a push on that one? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Not even close. That would be so rip it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so rip it. Uh, uh, next question for this game. Uh, most points, Hassan Whiteside, Domantas Sabonis, or TJ Warren? Oh, I have no Nate idea who Sabonis I picked. Sabonis had a big game. Nate and Jared did pick Sabonis. Ooh. Orlando, you went with Hassan Whiteside. Your man. Who scored 21 points. Wow. wow man. Sabonis outdid him, though, 27. Yep. Triple-double. Nice. Triple-double, that's yep. right. TJ Warren with 14. Yep. All right. Sabonis is so good this season. Mm -hmm. All right. Blazers versus Rockets. The question here. Most rebounds, Clint Capella, Hassan Whiteside, or Russell Westbrook? Did you go Westbrook, Orlando? Is that Jared, that <laughs> Jared you kind of got talked into Capella oh, I did, after we joked I? around <laughs> that the player who no, who nobody picks usually wins. <laughs> so you he did with, not. So you went with Capella. Orlando, you went with Russ. Oh, Eight, no. you went with Whiteside. Oh, I oh I feel okay about yeah, this, guys. Oh, man. Clint should. Capella, seven boards. Bum. Whiteside <laughs> with ten. Russell Westbrook, 10 rebounds. Oh, it's a push! No! <laughs> yes. No! Thank goodness. That was a I pivotal hate, moment. That was I a hate Russell was. Westbrook. Just an incredible push for Westbrook there. Oh, no. Because I got the last question wrong. Darn it. The wild card question. Oh, I got this one way this wrong. This one was, in which right. of the next three games will the Blazers score the fewest points? Jared, you went with Dallas. Orlando and Nate both said Indiana. Oh, please Which be Which is not right. Yeah. They, because they, against the Pacers, the Blazers dropped 139. Yikes. Season high. Against Dallas, the Blazers scored 125. Against Houston, the Blazers scored 125. Oh, come oh, on. Oh, it's a push. No, oh we, no, Jared gets it because nobody else went with Houston and they tied. So Jared gets that. Oh, that no. No, that's garbage. Jared get the win? I'm challenging the ruling <laughs> on the field. No, no. That's a push on the last one. We should be tied for this week. Well, well done, you, No, you are tied for this week. Oh, we are? Yeah. Both, both of you went three out of five. Orlando at two out of five. Oh, really? I think Nate had two. Yeah. What was my third? Uh, Nate, you got... Whiteside correct because they both had ten. Oh yeah, that's uh, right. I didn't mark myself down. You both got a correct mm. answer for that. Yes. So yes. I regret to inform you that it's Damn. been another another tie this week. Oh. I, thought I, I thought I made up some ground. I thought you did too, man. I'm oh. I'm happy because I thought I had lost and now it's a tie and I've never been so happy. A tie a tie is worse than a loss. <laughs> well, not when you're up four to one. Yeah, for you. <laughs> for you, it's wonderful, Nate. <laughs> Yeah, you got Jared and I rooting for each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. Once I found out he was ahead, I was like, all right, Jared, bring this one home for us. <laughs> all right, Max, let's get to the next yeah, week. Go. I got one to win. Let's go. Oh, all right, here we go. Blazers at Lakers, Friday night. First question, who's going to score the most points in this game? LeBron James, 
Anthony Davis or Damian Lillard? Oh, my gosh. Jared, go ahead. Dame. All right, Orlando? I never learn. I'll take uh, Davis. Okay, uh, Nate? Man. I'll go with LeBron. There we go. Yeah, I'll go with Jingle Bell James. Jingle Bell. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, next question, same game. Which team will block more total shots? Oh, the Lakers. Going to Lakers? Orlando? Yeah, yeah, Lakers. Jared? I'll mix it up. Let's go the Blazers. Woo! Oh, hey. And Hassan you trust. <laughs> yeah. Look at yeah. that. No one, no one else is getting blocked yeah. over there. <laughs> <laughs> CJ might get a block. Caleb we'll Swanigan ain't got those hops. Maybe Arizo will get me one or two. There All right, go. Blazers versus Jazz. Who's going to make the most three-pointers in this game? Will it be Donovan Mitchell, C.J. McCollum, mm. <laughs> Joe Ingles, Whoa. or Trevor Ariza? Is this points? Three-pointers made. Three-pointers. Mitchell, McCollum, Ingles, or Ariza? You already know what to do. Orlando's going <laughs> C.J. I can see it in his yeah. eyes. Yep, yep. Jared? Give me C.J. <laughs> I'm going with Blazers killer Joe Ingles Ooh, on this yeah. one. Tough against From the, the corner. Yeah. From the yeah. corner. Hanging out it. over there. <laughs> All right. Blazers at Nuggets. Who will get the most rebounds in this game? Carmelo Anthony, Will the Thrill Barton, or Mason Plumley? Oh. Nate, what do you think? Is Plumley back? He's not currently back. Okay. So you're rolling the dice a little if you're picking him. I'm going to go three to the dome for the rebounds. All right. Mello. Orlando, what do you think? Three to the dome? Give me that. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You yep. took that right out of my mouth. I was <laughs> going to say that. The uh, <laughs> sanitized <laughs> version. Yep, yep. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if I want to clean sweep this. So who are my – Will the Thrill. Funny. What's the other uh, – Barton. Trill Barton. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's clean sweep. <laughs> All right, going mellow. It's going right. to be Will, the thrill. Yeah, no, you had that reaction. Yeah, that, that didn't work for me last yeah, time. The, the uh reaction is what did it. Wild card question. Here we go. Woo! It's Super Bowl weekend. Nice. Should it be is. an exciting game. Jared's 49ers. Victory. Which total will be greater? Completions by Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes or points scored by C.J. McCollum against the Jazz? Completions for Mahomes, CJ points against the Jazz. Who's starting us off? I will. Jerry, right, go 49ers, man. Let's see how much you trust that defense. Ooh. That 49ers defense all day long. <laughs> oh. This is going to be CJ McCollum. There you go. Not even close. There you go. All right, Orlando, what do you think? I got to double down on Christian James, man. Wow. Okay, man. Nate. Th- this ain't going to be close. It's going to be Mahomes. This ain't going to be big number, yeah. This ain't going to be close. I'm not saying Chiefs are going to win, but yeah. he's going to have more completions than CJ's going to have points. He'll have, more, right. he'll have more attempts. He'll have more completions, too, man. Where can people find you guys? Uh, at Jared Cowley on Twitter. At Enhance underscore KGW. At Max N Bar. At Orlando KGW. Appreciate everybody who has joined the pod. Make sure to pick it up. Give us those five-star reviews, please. See you on the next one. Subscribe. We out.